What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Loud Life podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio Gurley, the host of the show. Uh, we're super excited that you guys are here listening today. Um, we're going to be getting a few more guests on here, I promise. Uh, we're going to keep the housekeeping short, though, because you guys want to get into the content, and I want to share some valuable information for you. Just keeping you guys up to par, the reason why it's been solo episodes is we're going through a rebrand right now. We are going through uh, the purchase of an office space for our practice, which we're super excited about. So it's all great thing things. It has just been a little bit harder to connect with other people and schedule these um, the uh, these guest interviews. But we're going to begin one of those. I promise. I promise. I promise. Um, we are going to start today with a little backstory that's going to hopefully springboard us or launch us into the content and, and how we approach this t- this particular topic. So for those of you who don't know, Nichelle and I, my wife, are both chiropractors. We did not meet in chiropractic school, though. There is kind of an ongoing joke that many people that are or married couples that are chiropractors they met in chiropractic school and then they they go on and do that thing but we were we met beforehand we were dating beforehand so we we are not uh we do not fit that same mold or story but uh it's a very similar story so i was going to be a physical therapist um we both met at cu boulder both buffs go buffs uh and i was going to be a physical therapist all my um, uh, you know, we were both in, in integrative physiology, which is like a kinesiology uh, bachelor's degree. So a lot of our courses that were leading up to uh, our graduate or post um, postgraduate programs, they're very similar. But you know, I was doing PT shadowing hours, and I was planning on being physical therapist. And I applied to a couple different schools, and the main one that I wanted to get into was CU Denver because it's a it's a wonderful PT program. Um, but I was waitlisted for that first uh, for that first round application and PT programs are they're very they're very competitive especially the CU program that I was trying to get into Uh, but I was waitlisted and Nichelle knew she wanted to do chiropractic uh, to to be a chiropractor and she knew she wanted to go out to San Jose to Palmer College of Chiropractic so the long the the short of a long of it is you know I'm not in school Um, I was still working at the restaurant I was working in undergrad and Nichelle moved out to California and I'm like okay well I could either stay here in Boulder by myself or I can move out to California be closer with Nichelle and uh, and you know see what that next chapter next step looks like so move out move out to San Jose California was bartending at a um, fantastic restaurant which is called the Yard House and. And she started, you know, I started seeing her go through the program and the curriculum, and I'm like, man, this is really similar to physical therapy. And so I started chatting with more people about what is really the difference between chiropractors and physical therapists. And the more I started to, uh, as the years go on and the more I started to learn, they're really not that different. They're, they're, sorry, from a core level, they're really not that different. There are physical therapists and chiropractors that are very different. Uh, and for those of you who know us a little bit, who follow us, who uh, consume our content and our material, and you see the value of what we're providing, you will see that we are very different from a lot of chiropractors, which is great. And there's nothing wrong. There should be different elements of uh, with within a profession. Um, but lo and behold, is my kind of background or core values and belief 
knowing that I wanted to be a physical therapist leads me into a kind of different realm of chiropractic care where we really love rehab. We really love the self-empowerment aspect of it. We really love helping you bridge from where you are to where you want to be, which is commonly what physical therapists are viewed and seen as. Um, and then and also, um, we also take a, a slightly different approach when we're looking at like the biomechanic principles uh, when it comes to, to more movement because we're assessing how somebody moves rather than just looking at a static spine or joint position and trying to fix that, which has huge value. Um, but we want to see the application into the actual movement principle. So with that, um, I was... I, I, <laughs> Another very, very short story, I promise. Our hard drive crashed. And for those of you who do not have backups to your backups to your backups, get backups to your backups to your backups. It's just been a nightmare trying to retrieve our information and trying to find out where it all is, uh, which was also just a humbling experience of trying to just be a little bit more organized with all the stuff that we have. But I came across this old post um, that was from Eric Cressy, who is a strength and conditioning um, uh, coach on the in Florida and kind of the East Coast. Works pr primarily with baseball athletes, but just a lot of well-known, um, uh, just a really, really, really smart, educated individuals and uh, individual who who also put, puts on a wonderful upper extremity and shoulder seminars uh, and information. So if you're if you're interested in anything about that, and you and if you're an athlete, if you're an overhead athlete, volleyball, baseball, um, or anything like that, look up Eric. Cressy, but he had this workflow that talked about when should we mobilize or when should we stabilize, and it was it's some. I took this screenshot so long ago, and I I honestly kind of forgot about it. And as I was again diving through, trying to find um, a lot of our content, I came across. It. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a huge. This is so important, and this is the exact thing that we try to talk about at a certain level. And so I wanted to share it and, and hopefully it provides you guys some value about how you can approach um, your training, your warm-ups, your stretching, and things like that. So the so Eric Christie has on his, uh, on his website this article that says, Making Movement Better, Duct Tape or WD-40. So we're going to go through a couple examples in which we can play out these scenarios and see how it might be applicable for you. So this is kind of like how we think about movement and joints and an individual pain ailment. A lot of these things overlap and go together, but we're going to go through the flowchart and you guys can see how this runs down. So engineering flowchart, should it move? You have a yes or a no. So if it's a yes, great. Should it move? Yes. No problem. You're good to go. Sh does it move? Yes. Should it move? No. Then you have a little image of duct tape indicating that you need to tighten it up. You need to maybe stabilize it because there's excess movement. Okay. Now we have, does it move? No. Should it move? Yes. Then we have a little image of WD-40 indicating that it should be moving. We need to lube it up. Should it move? No. Sorry, does it move? No. Should it move? No then no problem, right? We want, in, in that scenario, we want something that's a little bit a little bit tighter, if you will. So let's, let's just piggyback off where we just came off of, right? So does it move? Now, that is a very general question, right? Obviously, you'd want to expand upon that. Well, you know, how does it move? What's, what's the range of motion? Because obviously, we don't want, a joint should have movement. Some joints have very little movement. Um, some joints have more movement. So for instance, like, does it move? 
No. Should it move? No. Let's talk about the pubic symphysis, right? Where our pelvis meets in the front, right at our pubic bone. That's technically a joint there. And there is a little bit of this kind of twisting torque motion. Um, for those of you who are watching the video, you see this little twist and torque motion. As you walk, the pelvis does rock a little bit. We're talking like millimeters of movement, right? So should it move? Well, obviously, yes. But when we're talking about how much movement, no, it really shouldn't move that much. So if, in the pubic bone, if it doesn't move a lot, then great. You're good to go. There's like there's no concern that we need to be aware of. Another another position would be like the fibular head of our shin bone. There's actually two bones within your lower limb, one of which does not move a lot, right? There's again, it's it is a joint, so there is some movement and it does twist and torque a little bit, but in, in, in the global scheme of movement, it doesn't really move and we don't want it to move. The same goes the same holds true for the SI joint of the lower back. Does it does it really move all that much? And there's a ton of controversy into this. So we're not getting into like, does the SI joint move? Yes, it does move some, and we want to restore motion, especially as chiropractors. But a lot, it doesn't move really all that much. We get that subtle, gently, that gentle rock back along the sacrum as we walk, and you get that counterbalance rotation, right? So that would be an example. Now, let's say, for instance, we have an ankle joint. We're talking more specifically about the subtalar, not the subtalar joint, the talar joint along the, uh, on the bottom part of the tibia. So this controls um, the majority of your dorsiflexion, which would be bringing your ankle or your toes up. Let, you know, look at running, thinking like a lunge or a squat, anything where your shin bone is moving up and over your foot and or as you're swinging your leg through your toes and your foot are bending up towards your shin bone. That's called dorsiflexion. So does it move? Let's say no, it doesn't move. Should it move? Yes, we want dorsiflexion, especially when we're talking about certain movements such as running, um, athletics and sports, but even something as simple as a squat. You need to have that dorsiflexion to allow the knee and the shin to translate over the, over the base of support of the foot to help you balance when you're doing a squat. So in our workflow, does it move? No. Should it move? Yes. So we need to WD-40 that. Oh, sh this is crazy. Uh, I'm literally, sorry, side note, walking just outside my window right now. Uh, big old coyote. That's one of the biggest coyotes I've seen. Um, going right for the road. I am sorry. Uh, just got a little sidetracked there. You don't normally see that. I thought it was a stray dog, but that thing is straight up coyote. Um, so in that workflow, right, does it move? No. Should it move? Yes. So what are some things that we can do to help move it? Well, we can do some banded mobilizations and exercises. We can do some stretches. Uh, we can do some chiropractic manipulations and adjustments. Anything that will get that anything that'll get that joint moving again so that we can maintain more dorsiflexion and not be worried about uh, a limitation in an area where there shouldn't be a limitation. So that's that's a good example, right? So you have to know though. As an individual, you have to know, well, how much movement should I have? Well, how much movement is good? What is maybe normal range of motion? And what's normal range of motion for your body? Because you also have to take into consideration your anatomical variances and just your anatomical makeup. And so hypermobility and those that are just a little bit stiffer as far as a genetic con connective tissue makeup, there's going to be some differences and some nuances. Okay, so let's flip to the other side. Does it move? Yes. Should it move? Yes. No problem. You're good to go. You don't. Maybe you can use stretching or like a mobility type of routine just for like a general feel-good flow, but you don't need to be worrying about and putting a lot of time and attention into getting more movement because it's already moving good. And on that, this is where sometimes 
people get into trouble, right? We're going to use an example of the shoulder here again in just a second, but should it move? Yes. Or sorry, does it move? Yes. Should it move? Yes. No problem. Do you need more stretching of the shoulder? Do you need to try to improve the range of motion and the movement in an area that's already moving well enough? Maybe, maybe not. Again, we use the example of just, yeah, I mean, a little bit of stretching, a little bit of warming up is all good, but if your intention is to make it move more and it already is moving enough, is enough enough in that scenario? And again, you got to play every, you know, it's a case-by-case -case example. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be doing that, but these are questions that you need to be thinking about, and especially when you're talking about a group fitness class. Knowing your own individual body will help you do the the warm-ups, the movements, or the exercises that you know you need to do rather than feeling you need to be pigeonholed or put into a box because that's what everyone else is doing, it might not be advantageous for you. And in fact, it might even be detrimental. So on the other example, does it move? Yes. Should it move? No. Okay. So there are, this is, this is an example where stability comes into play. Now, there's a there's a number of different joints where we want to be able to be able to control the amount of movement right so this is this is a little bit of a different example but the shoulder blade right the shoulder the glenohumeral joint the actual ball and socket joint is it, it needs a ton of range of motion and the supporting structure of the scapula the shoulder blade it actually has a decent amount of range of motion as well but if that shoulder blade is not stable, the shoulder, the glenohumeral, the actual ball and socket joint no longer has a stable platform to move, operate, push, pull, and leverage off of. So the shoulder, the scapula, the shoulder blade itself, does it move? Yes. Should it move? In this scenario, it should move, but only to a certain degree. We need to be able to control the movement so that there's not excessive movement where the shoulder might not be uh, might not be controlled or or stable enough. Another example of this would be let's just say like like a, uh, let's just say like an elbow joint, right? So your elbow obviously it does move, but it doesn't move in certain directions. So for those that have maybe subluxated their radial head before, um, this is very common uh, nursemaid uh, elbow in children. Does it move? Yes. Should it move? Well, it does have a little bit of movement, but if the movement that it is is presenting with is excessive compared to what it normally should be, then no, that's not a, that's not an area in which we want more and more movement of, right? So again, it's it's a little bit more convoluted and a little bit more confusing because you have to know what certain joints are and how much they technically should or should not move. And for the everyday person, you might not know, which is okay, right? But this is where we encourage and implore you to start reaching out or having a coach or having these questions and conversations with the coach so that you know, hey, what's going to be more beneficial for me? We always have this conversation with our athletes who are doing group fitness classes. Like you got to know what realistically is best for your body. So for our hypermobile individuals who have hypermobility in their shoulders, they don't need more shoulder stretching. It moves enough. If anything, they need probably more stability and control training so that it doesn't move more than it needs to. We don't need to create subluxations or dislocations because we've created more laxity. That's definitely not what we want, right? Um, whereas the, the same is also true, right? If you're super tight in an area, you probably need to spend a little bit more time on that area. While others might not be as tight as you, this is, this is, this is, the, this is what you're presenting with. So why not try to individualize 
the care, the the stretches, the the things that you need to do so that you're not wasting your time on things that aren't really as beneficial. Are they going to help still? Probably. Is it going to hurt? Probably not if you're doing these other things, but why not why not be a little bit more specific? And how this plays out in my life is just just through constant exploration of my body in areas that are tight and I definitely have areas that I neglect. We all do. It's all good. It happens. But the reason why I don't do at this point in time, one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of group fitness is just I know what my body currently needs. And when I was doing a lot of group fitness classes, just playing the part, I always felt like I was off doing my own thing and not really paying attention. But then I was like, it doesn't matter. I was I I I don't need I don't need more of this stretch. I need more of this stretch. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that stretch. Or I don't at this point in time, my goals don't align up with this, and they align up with this over there. So I'm gonna do more of that, and that's totally fine. And you can make that happen in a group fitness class. I'm not saying you have to remove yourself from the group fitness class. It's just having a better conversation with the coaches and whoever's doing the training. Hey, I, I need more of this, or I feel like I need more of this, or I'm having this problem. Is there something else I can do that'll help that I can do in substitution with some of these things to help keep me safe, to help uh, better align with my goals, and to help me move along? the process hopefully a little bit faster so something to consider because i know i know and the reason why is because you just do a simple google search or you just do a simple social media search is everyone's looking for the best ways to mobilize everyone's looking for the best ways to stretch it's the top three this the top five this and that might be fine and good but you're taking a generous approach to something that's very specific and a generous approach would get you pretty far don't get me wrong like i like i'm all about generalism but you can you can get you can get down and just assess a little bit more specifically and, and, and the best way to do it is just through self-exploration. But now you can start to find what things you need more of and then you can determine, do I need to make this stiffer? Is it moving too much? Is that creating issues? Or do I actually need to lube this up, give it a little WD-40 and, and, and make sure that it's nice and lubricated so it's moving well? And now, I'll be honest, just based on Western civilization society, most of us are definitely on the tighter aspect. But, 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 but understand, even though you're tight, that can create excess movement or instability somewhere else and you might be stretching the wrong thing and you actually might need to be tightening this and this really comes into play with hypermobility so um, we're going to have another episode about hypermobility and just talk about the ins and outs of what hypermobility is and, and, and some of the reasons why stretching might not be the best thing if you are a hypermobile individual. So if you feel like you've kind of been, you're kind of someone who's a little bit Gumby-ish, that's how we call it, you're a little Gumby-ish or you, you move really well uh, and that's always been the case, but yet you always maybe have a little bit of extra tightness, be sure to follow along and check out that episode. Um, so we're going to leave it with that. If you have any questions, you know, reach out. We love hearing from you guys. We want to hear what questions you have. We want to hear what topics you have. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, though, so you can get these episodes um, springing into your inbox so that they're ready to go. And if you have not done so, please give us a rating. The ratings obviously help us out. It helps those that are, you know, flipping through all the podcasts nowadays to determine what's, you know, what's 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 a good show. What what should I be paying attention to? What should I not be paying attention to? So it not only helps us, but it helps them and it helps get the word out to more and more people. So thanks again for tuning in guys live loud we hope that we can continue to guide you to the adventurous life you were made for and we'll see you next time